0: look at the book of Ecclesiastes this morning, and I, have, I appreciate Chuck's reading of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I may be the only one that was afraid halfway through the reading of this, Chuck would just start singing it. There are a lot of people who don't realize that those words are actually words of Scripture and not just the 1962 hit song, Turn, 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 although I think Chuck would have done a great job singing it. What a strange text. And Jim has been doing this series on Sunday morning for our teens, lessons or sermons I wish I would heard when I was 16. And to be completely honest with you, this morning is not just one I think our teens need to hear. This is a lesson or there is a message tucked in this book and in this text that even to this very moment I struggle with in my life. And I would figure that I am not the only one to do that. So Ecclesiastes is such a strange book. Let me begin by this question and see how you would answer or fill in this blank. How would you answer this? I will be happy when. I will finally have arrived. I will finally have what I need. My life will be complete when I have or when I get X. How would you complete that sentence? Now it depends on what age we are asked that question. You ask a six year old, and my life will be happy, I'll never ask for anything else when I get a certain video game. You ask a 16 year old, my life will be complete, I'll have everything I ever wanted. If I can only pass my driver's test and get a car. You ask someone who's 22. I can't wait to get out of college and finally begin life. Or I'll be happy when I get married, have children and settle down. Or you ask someone who's 55. If I can just make it to retirement, I'll be satisfied. I have found in my short life that that question is never answered. There's always another thing out there. It's either the next job, the next raise, the next degree, the next relationship. We live a life constantly pursuing the answer to that question. And when we finally arrive at that, when we finally get what we think would be the ultimate answer to that question, we wake up the next day or in the next week and find there's something else out there. And if there's one lesson I wish I understood when I was 16, and if there was one lesson I wish I could wrap my head around today, and if there's one lesson I wish all of us could understand It's that life doesn't work that way. And the message of Ecclesiastes is one that's begging us not to seek that kind of life. Not to build our life on something that's always out there or even something that used to be out there. We live in a culture that does not want us to be content. I was watching uh, TV last night. And there's a Dodge commercial. Some of you may have seen this. There's a new Dodge leasing commercial out there. You can lease a 2014 Dodge Avenger. And when the 2015 model comes out, you can trade that one in and get a new one for no extra money. Now, my truck is six years old. And it's beyond me how a person could drive a car for one year and when the next model comes out, feel like they need to trade it in for another one. They don't want you to be content, because if you're content, you don't buy anything else. Because the question is answered, I'll be happy when I have the latest car. And guess what? There's always another car coming out. Ecclesiastes is such a strange book. I often think of it this way. There are, there are people, there are writers of Scripture who I would love to sit down and have a cup of coffee with. I don't drink coffee, so I'll let them drink the coffee. But I'd love to sit down and just talk to some of them. I would love to, I'd love to talk to the writer of Psalms. It's probably several people But what a great poetic mind and a great insightful... I would love to talk to the writers of Kings and Chronicles and listen to the history and listen to them talk and explain the things God has done and and how they record this. I'd love to talk to the Apostle Paul. I'm not so certain I would like to sit down with the writer of Ecclesiastes. He is one depressing dude. Verse 1 of Ecclesiastes, it's all vanity. Vanity of vanities. That means the greatest of vanity. The most vain thing. I don't care where you look. I don't care what you do. I don't care what you have. I don't care where you're going. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you accomplish. It stinks. Life just stinks. And that's just the first verse. It doesn't get much better. The book of Ecclesiastes is written from a person who's constantly pursuing happiness, who's trying to get the next thing, who's trying to find out what gives life meaning, what gives life purpose, what makes us happy, what can I have, what can I get to make life satisfied. And his opening orientation, his opening statement is that nothing works. It all just stinks. That word in the Hebrew language that we translate vanity. It's the Hebrew word, hebel, which means vapor. It's just fleeting. It just leaves. Everything is temporary. Everything is transient. Nothing nothing really lasts. James said something similar. What is your life? It's but vapor. Ladies, I don't want to depress you, but you know that thing you spent... 30 minutes in front of this morning putting on your makeup and combing your hair. It's called a vanity. Do you know why they call it a vanity? It's all fleeting. You'll look in that same mirror in 20 years and things won't look the same. But Gary still thinks you're beautiful. Beautiful. What gives life meaning? What gives life purpose? When you're 16, you've got the world ahead of you. As my father-in-law likes to say, you've got the world by the tail on a downhill slide. You can do whatever you want. You can become whatever you wish. You can accomplish anything you want. And what is it that you think in your life will make you happy? And I promise you, when you get there, you'll be disappointed. So the writer of Ecclesiastes says, life just stinks. <laughs> Here's my cards. I put them on the table. Life just stinks. And the read the fault he has with life, he unfolds in chapter one. The problem with life is that it's just this constant cycle of monotony. And he gives you several examples. For instance, chapter one and verse four. A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Nothing's changed. You'll die, and someone after you will come. Nothing really changes. Verse 5, the sun rises, the sun goes down, and it hurries back to the place where it rises, only to repeat the same cycle. And what changes? Nothing. Verse 6, the wind blows to the south and goes to the north, goes around, the wind goes around, and on its circuits the wind returns. The wind just keeps going. Where's it going? I don't know, but it just keeps going there cuz it never arrives. Verse 7, all streams run into the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flows, they continue to flow. All that water keeps running and dumping into the ocean, and does the ocean ever fill up? Nope. You see? Life stinks. It has no meaning. Vanity of vanities. Verse 9, all that is is what will be and what has been done is what has been what will be done. There's nothing new under the sun. If anyone says, see, this is new, it's already been in the ages before. And the people of long ago are not remembered, nor will there be any remembrance of people yet to come by those who come after them. You're going to die, and you're going to be forgotten. Someone else will be raised. Someone else will come along, and they're going to die, and they're going to be forgotten. There, aren't you glad you got up this morning and came to church? Life stinks. That's Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Because he's trying to find meaning, and he's trying to find happiness, and he's trying to find purpose, and his evaluation from chapter 1 is that it's not out there. I can't find it. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, he undertakes what we often call the royal experiment. Now, the writer of Ecclesiastes, we're not certain it's Solomon. The person who writes it obviously wants you to think of Solomon, and it may be Solomon. There are some questions about that. But the person of Ecclesiastes says, I was king, I have power, I have money, and I sought out to find true happiness and true meaning. And so he answered this question, I'll be happy when? Fill in the blank. And he filled in the blank with lots of things. Look at verse 4 of chapter 2. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. Wouldn't that be great? I'll be happy when I have a house that's X number of square feet. Or I'll be happy when I pay off the house I already have. He says, I went out and I built houses and I built gardens. I had it all. Verse five, I made myself gardens and parks and planted them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forests of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. Wouldn't it be great? Someone to work for you. Never had to mow his own yard. Never had to change his own oil. He paid it to be done. His slaves were born in his house. He had great possessions of herds and flocks, more than anyone who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and treasures of kings in the provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and delights of the flesh, many concubines. You know what he's saying? I had everything. I had women. I had wine. I had wealth. I had it all. And he always thought he would be happy when he had women, concubines. He never had to worry about anniversaries. (laughs) He thought he'd have it with wealth. His bank account had so many zeros after it. That's what will make us happy. If I can only get this much money in my job, if I can only get a raise and make... You know, they say people always believe 10% more is all they need. He said, I've got it all. How would it work for you? Verse 9, I became so great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem, and my wisdom remained with me. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, and from my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was the reward for my toil. I considered all that my hands had done, and the toil I had spent in doing it, and again, all was vanity and chasing after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. It didn't work. Life still stunk. And we fall into the same trap. With all of our riches and all of our blessings and all that we have, we still think there's something out there that's going to make us happy this time. I was shocked. Many of you know I just survived... uh, my last degree from school. And I always thought that the moment you walked across the stage and they handed you the diploma, you would just relax and life would begin to glow and everything would flow perfectly. It didn't work that way. There are so many other things out there that still left to be done and questions still to be answered and problems still to be solved. It didn't work. Some of you think if... That job that you've always been searching for when they finally give it to you and they give you the pay increase that you wanted, that's when you arrive and then you wake up and you say, it didn't work. So many of us live our lives in anticipation of happiness. We don't have it now. And the writer of Ecclesiastes is saying, do not fall into that trap. Do not think that happiness is something to be pursued. It's not. There is an answer to this problem that he uncovers. Chapter 3 is this fascinating poem that says, look, there's really in life a time for everything. And you read this interesting text and all these things. There's a time to be born. There's a time to die. There's a time to build fences and tear down fences. There's these obscure things. There's a time to scatter stones and pick up stones. Not certain what they mean by that. Maybe it's planting and preparing a field or destroying an enemy's field. We're not sure. But you go through this, there's a time for war and a time for peace and all this rhythm of life. And the one question you're asking at the end of this poem is, okay, how do we know what time it is? I'm looking for meaning, I'm looking for purpose, I'm trying to find out what life is about, and you're telling me there's a time for everything, and I simply want to know what time it is. We're constantly searching for something. And there is this refrain throughout the entire book of Ecclesiastes that I believe is his purpose and point. It begins in chapter 2. There is nothing better for mortals than to eat and drink and find enjoyment in their toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God, for apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to one who pleases God, he gives wisdom and knowledge and joy. He says it again in chapter 3. He says it all over Ecclesiastes. Chapter 3 and verse 12 I know that there is nothing better for them than to be happy and enjoy themselves as long as they live. Moreover, it is God's gift that all should eat and drink and take pleasure in their toil. Chapter 3 and verse 22. I saw that there is nothing better than that we should eat and enjoy our work, for this is their lot. Chapter 5 and verse 18, he says the same thing. Chapter 8, verse 15. Chapter 9, verse 7. Chapter 11, verse 9. He says the same thing. This elusive search for happiness, trying to find meaning and purpose in life in the next thing to come, he says, is pointless. You'll never get there. The secret to life, the writer of Ecclesiastes says, is not in what comes next. The secret to life is enjoying what comes now. If you spend your entire life searching for something next to be happy, you've lost out on the opportunity to be happy today. You're 16 years old and you think, i got to go to college, and then after that i got to get married, and then after that I've got to get a job, and then I'll be happy. And the writer of Ecclesiastes is saying, slow down, be happy today. Find contentment now. Enjoy what God has given you now. That's the purpose. That's the way to find happiness. It's not in searching for what comes next, it's for enjoying what you have now. If only we understood that. The secret to contentment. Jesus said, I am come that you may have life and have life more abundantly. And even for those of us who are older, The secret to happiness is still in serving God faithfully today, not in what comes tomorrow or the day after that, but what God has given us to do right here and right now. No matter how old you are, please don't think happiness was just in the past. Oh, those were the best of times. Oh, they were good. But God has something in mind for you today. And for those of you who are young who think I'll be happy when God wants you to enjoy life and be happy now and to serve him today. It's fascinating, this phrase, eat, drink and be merry is actually used almost in the negative sense in the New Testament. Remember the rich farmer of the Gospel of Luke? He says, today I will eat and drink and be merry. But he forgot to serve God and he forgot to serve others. But the the premise of Ecclesiastes and the purpose is still true. God created life to be enjoyed, not tomorrow and not yesterday, but today. And the writer of Ecclesiastes, with all of his stuff, with all of his power, kept searching for something that was right under his nose. God wants us to enjoy our labor today. I've reached that age where it's beginning to become clear what exactly it was that my grandparents and parents used to talk about. Ever hear them say how quickly time passes? It seems like yesterday. This week, Keaton graduated kindergarten. That doesn't seem possible. I was talking with a young lady that I graduated high school with. Her son also goes to Keaton school. And it dawned on us that we're 2 years out from celebrating 20 years from our high school graduation. Some of you laughing at me because you think that's nothing. But I'm at the point in my life where that's a crisis. 20 years. And you begin to see just exactly what it means that life is a vapor. And if you spend your vapor chasing after happiness, you're going to be woefully disappointed when you get to what you thought would make you happy. And it's gone. And so the writer of Ecclesiastes says, don't live your life that way. The only way you're going to find happiness is if you find it now. With what God has given you in your work in your relationships, in the stuff you already have. Don't constantly pursue something that's an ever-moving target. You won't find it. There's nothing better than to eat, drink, and be merry, and enjoy the labor that God is giving you to do today. And sometimes as Christians, we fall into this category, in this trap, in a totally different way. Where we give up on this life and only search for the life to come. As if God only intends for us to enjoy things after we're dead and in heaven. Brothers and sisters, heaven is real and heaven will be a place of blessing beyond your wildest imagination. But God blesses us today as well. He doesn't just want us to pass by the blessings we already have in life. The Apostle Paul wrote those famous words in Philippians chapter 4. I have learned in whatever state I am in to be content. And he wrote similar thoughts to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6 where he said, Having food and clothing, be content. It has often been said, joy is not having what you want, but in wanting what you have. Everything you have in life today, you only have as a blessing of God. And God doesn't want you to set that aside and look for something more. God wants you to stop and evaluate and appreciate what He's already given you. To be content. Sure, there will be blessings to come and sure there will be goals to be met. But the writer of Ecclesiastes says, don't miss the now for the tomorrow. Ecclesiastes is such a strange book. He spends this time searching for happiness and searching for purpose in life. And along the way, if you were to read the rest of the book, you'd find he stumbles across some things that are better than other things. A good name is better, he'll say, or two are better than one. And he gives you some advice along the way. But it's when the book ends there towards the end of Ecclesiastes, he begins to wrap up and say some things. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Before it gets more difficult. Before life becomes more challenging. And then the writer of Ecclesiastes seems to disappear and an editor of the book shows up. Almost as if filling the need to clean up what's been in the book to this point. He says, here's the true purpose of life. Fear God and keep His commandments. You can do that today. That's not something to come later or not just something of the past. That meaningful life can be lived today at any age, at any point. If you're 16, please learn this lesson. Don't put off happiness for something tomorrow when God has blessed you with stuff today. And those of us who are older, please learn this lesson. Happiness is not just a past experience or even a future one. God calls us to enjoy the blessing and the work and the place He has put us in today. There is a season. There is a time for everything. And God makes all things beautiful in His time. And God grants us the ability to see time the way God does. We want to offer the invitation this morning to anyone who would like to begin their walk of fearing God and keeping His commandments to find the joy in life that God gives us today. Believing in Jesus, repenting of sins, and putting Him on in baptism is where God calls us to begin that walk of commitment with Him. And you can do that today, right here and now. If we can help you do that in any way, we offer this invitation in the name of Jesus while we stand and sing.